Hey guys, Brian Jodis here for another episode of Pick Up the Six podcast. Before we get started today, we've got new gear available over at Pick Up the Six. So just head to our website. I got to be honest with you guys. Look, obviously I'm going to shill the gear, but man, I love these ones. First one is quell the storm and ride the thunder. You've likely heard the famous Teddy Roosevelt quote about the man in the arena. You got to go down a little bit where Teddy talks about these tepid souls and how we have to quell the storm and ride the thunder which is pretty awesome. So check that shirt out. We also have burn the boats. We know we're big fans of that mindset here. We're going all in. And then lastly, if you were to say, Hey, Brian, tell me a little bit about what pick up the six means to you from a faith component. It's about leaving the 99. It's about that parable of the lost sheep. Now, if you have a hundred and one goes astray, you leave the 99. That's what we're doing here at pick up the six. So go check them out. Pick up the six.com. They're only 20 bucks guys. Grab a uh, new shirt, support the cause. And like Adam Carolla would say, put a little wind in the sails of this pirate ship that we have going here. Pick up the six.com. Click that gear tab at the very top. Scoop up one of those new shirts today. I got a text last week from my friend, Eric Holman. You guys remember Eric. He's an Air Force combat controller. He was on our show recently and he was running for Congress out of Texas. He said, you got to connect with Connor Matthews. Quote, he's a fish dropping CCT who's climbing the ladder in the MMA world. All right. Say no more, Eric. You got it. We're on it. Connor, the controller Matthews, joins the show fresh off his fifth professional victory without a blemish on the resume to date. Let's meet Connor on this episode of Pick Up the Six podcast. The controller. What's up, my brother? Hey, man. How's it going? It's going good. How are you doing? Doing great. Uh, doing awesome. Enjoying some of my time after my fight. You know, you ramp up everything for your fight. You have yeah. your fight. So you usually take a week or two after, kind yeah. of relax and do your normal, all the stuff you've been neglecting. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, well, it works out well, right? Fight. So you had a fight a couple weeks ago. Uh, we're recording this the day after St. Patrick's Day. So hopefully you got a little time to unwind. I got to think a guy named Connor enjoys a good St. Patrick's Day. Yes, I did. I actually ended up going to fights up in Boston. So nice. it was pretty cool. I see a couple of my teammates fight. And then St. Patrick's Day has always been my favorite holiday of all, all the holidays, especially up here. We celebrate it yeah. hard. Um, who'd, you, who'd you see fight last night? Um, so my, t- I had a couple of teammates fight, uh, John Duma, he's a local guy. He fought in Bellator. He's been up and down. He, he fought last night in Encore Casino in uh, Boston. So it was pretty, it was a big show. First big show there in the city of Boston in a long time. Cause they had, uh, rules and regulations. So it's the first big show they had there. Um, my, my friend Nick Fury fought and my friend Mitch Raposo. So I had three uh, teammates of mine fight. It's beautiful, man. Well, we had an awesome conversation. We got to meet Eric a few weeks ago and, Man, we developed a bit of a friendship out of it. When he shot me this text, I was like, yeah, dude, say no more. That sounds incredible. And then go back and do a little research and watching some of your fights and seeing the way that you've come up. It, it's really cool. And, and it's this, you know, this kind of rare breed of a guy that served in uh, in the military, not just in military, but in elite fighting units uh, that do some really serious stuff uh, on the ground to ensure that the big dogs in the air can come in and do what they got to do as well. So let's get to know you, man. Let's talk first about sort of your joint your journey to the military and then we're going to talk about getting in the fight game which is five and oh man to date which yeah. is uh pretty incredible so man just walk me up to to how life starts in the military because i know it wasn't one of those like graduate go right in you had a little bit of time yeah. in between so tell me your story yeah so um 
I mean, so I was a hockey player first. That was my first sport growing up on New, New England. That's a big sport around here. So um, I played uh, junior hockey and I played prep school hockey. I played at a, a good high school. And that was my whole like prog- when I was a kid, that's what I thought I was going to do. I was just going to, you know, go to high school, play hockey, go to college, play hockey. And um, my senior year, like my last game of my senior year, I got hurt, blew on my shoulder. So, mm-hmm. um, I kind of like missed the tryouts and I missed like a lot of things that would bring you to that next level. And and I just, um, I don't know. I just, I kind of just lost my passion for it at a really weird time. So, um, one thing I've always done my entire life, uh, it was traditional martial arts. And, um, I started doing a little bit of MMA for my sophomore year of high school. And, uh, whenever I had issues in my life, I would just always turn to martial arts as like a way to just like, you know, get to get, you know, deal with the issues, just mm-hmm. focus on something else. I've always loved, always had a passion for it. And so that's exactly what I did after my senior year. I uh, went back to uh, martial arts, started training. And then uh, my sensei um, at the time, actually, so that's how traditional he was a sensei. He, uh, he's like, Hey, let's, let's get you in an MMA fight. So I took it. Um, I was like two months after I graduated high school and I was just hooked to the sport. Uh, that's all I did. I played, I did, uh, I would, I, I got a job as doing construction and install, installing solar panels. And, um, but I, you know, I just did that so I can pay for me to train. It was long yeah. days, man. I'd wake up, work in the city in Boston, um, come down, train at night. Um, so it was just exhausting long days, but it was really good for like two and a half years, uh, two years. And, uh, you know, I realized how much of it was a grind. And then, uh, <laughs> that's what I kind of brought me to the military. Yeah. So. so were you, I mean, all right, let me jump in there for a second. I mean, were yep. you pretty addicted from the beginning? And there's a there's a different transition, man, from traditional martial arts and then into mixed martial arts. Because now, like, we're landing face punches. Like, you, yep. you got to fold a lot of stuff in. How was that transition like for you? And were you pretty hooked right away? Yeah, I was pretty hooked. I think it's because, like, the even in hockey, is a pretty, like, you, you, you drop the gloves in hockey and you have that <laughs> mentality of grinding and hitting and, and all the contact. So the contact parts didn't really bother me. And I... Um, and then I already had a kind of knack for the, the, just the movement of it from my traditional background. So when the fight, I just kind of was good at it right away. You know what I mean? It was like that mix of everything. I kind of had the grind and I had the, uh, in the, uh, in the skill set to do be good at it quick. So I've always just, it just, it just clicked with me. You know what I mean? So it was always fun to me. And, um, yeah. So I think it's just something that I just kind of had in me my entire life. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like, I mean, up at the crack of dawn, can't even go train yet. Cause you got to get on a job site and work yep. and you're training at night. Yeah. That's a hell of a grind, man. How long were you doing that? Uh, I was doing that for a year and a half and the winters were rough. It was long. It was cold. Um, yeah, and the Boston work, area? you know, is Boston area. So you up, you know, and I was working all, always outside cause I was installing solar panels. So you're always on the roof. So, and I was the young guy in the job. So, you know, I'm just carrying everything up and down yeah. the entire yeah. day. Yeah. So it was, it was definitely, it was definitely a grind, but it was, you know, it gave me a lot of perspective. You know what I mean? It gave me fuel to work harder in other parts of my life. So I think it's something that you need to do. Sometimes you need to just bite down to do things that suck so you can appreciate other things in your life. So, yeah. But yeah Sometimes you got to do stuff that sucks to appreciate other things in your life. <laughs> yes. Yeah. A little discomfort. Yeah. A little discomfort. Yes. It's good. I think discomfort's good for everybody, but mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, that's what, uh, you know, after a couple winters, um, I actually was funny. My last, it was like summer was coming up. I just went to work through the winter and my cousin called me and he's like, Hey man, do you want to do a job as a lifeguard at a beach? And I was just like, 
that sounds way better than what I'm doing right now. So I got a really good like state job here for one summer before I left, which is good because it helped me get into the water a lot. I do a lot of surfing. And so when I was training up for the, for the military, it was like perfect because you had to work out, you had to go for swims. And, and so that's like, and as a combat controller, you're doing, you do, you're just, a lot of it's uh, water mm-hmm. confidence. A lot of it's being in the water and being comfortable in the water. So that really helped me out with, uh, when, uh, when I decided after that winter, I decided to join the military. I'm oh, sorry. After that summer, I decided to join the military and I was already, you know, training from fighting. So I was already in good shape from running, being physical, working out at the beach. So when I flowed right into um, special operations training, I was just set up in a really good manner to, you know, to make it through. And you had, um, you had your first fight though already under your belt before that, right? Oh yeah. I had my first fight. Um, so this is like, yeah, I had my first fight in 2011. I joined the military in 2013. Okay. Tell me about that first one. Cause I know it didn't last very long. Yeah, no, it didn't last. I have a, a lot of my fights have been the same from MMA. I've seen, bro, uh, I've seen. Like, you don't, you don't <laughs> mess around. Like just get to it. Yeah. So, um, actually that was my first fight ever. So my, my first fight I ever done was usually other people do like kickboxing and boxing first, and then they go into MMA. I did not besides traditional martial arts, I went straight into MMA fighting and, uh, so yeah, I won, I went against him when I against a uh, former veteran, um, guy named Derek story. Uh, I, 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 he actually took me down at first. He was beating me up. And then, um, we got up to my feet and I caught him when we got up to my feet hit him with the right hand. He fell down, took his back, choked him out. And yeah. Then after that, man, I was, I was, I was hooked on the sport. Right, this you know? is it. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a 19 but, second fight. I think. Right. It was, I think it was a minute, a minute and oh, okay. like 50, minute and 57 seconds. Nine, 19 like left, 19 left in the first. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then I, um, yeah. Oh yeah. Cause there's three running rounds. And then I, uh, so from there, I, I realized I had a lot of holes in my game. And you know I mean, uh, so, mm. so that's when I started finding boxing. I started going to a boxing coach, um, this guy, Mike Avila, and I worked with him from there on. I, I, I worked with, uh, you know, different different coaches that realized because I, I was just kind of going off traditional martial arts and a little bit of jujitsu. And that's what I did my first MMA fight. So then I realized there's a lot of holes. You got to learn boxing. You got to learn Muay Thai. You got to learn uh, wrestling. There's a lot of things you got to learn. So um, that's when I started branching off and really kind of absorbing all the different martial arts out there. So you, man, you've been out of high school for a couple of years. You'd work in the construction thing. You're still fighting, you're training. What's the trigger on the military? Cause you're, you know, you're 10, 12, 13 years, nine, 11 removed. So that's not a trigger yeah. point. Right. So what was no. the trigger for you? Um, it was so a couple of things. Uh, I, first of all, uh, the, my, bro, my dad is a lawyer and he's a, he's a college professor and he teaches law. So he's really big into, um, education. So he's either like, he's the kind of guy is either you're going to work with your back or work with your mind, you know? And, uh, I was working with my back, but I realized how bad that was. Like, so I was like, I need, what's something else I could do? My dad's like, you go to college or maybe the military looks like a good idea. So I, I looked into the military and I looked at a uh, Navy SEAL originally. I thought that was like, I saw that job. I was like physical person, kind of things I liked. So I started training up, um, for that. And the recruiter for the Navy wasn't the best recruiter. <laughs> he, like, he was just, he was trying to get me in as any mm-hmm. typical job you're in the, in the like, Navy. No, man, I'm trying to do this he, thing. Exactly. And he wasn't, he was, he, he was just trying to get me in there. So, um, I walked across the hall. I talked to the air force guy, the air force guy. I was really big on pushing, um, pararescue at the time, which is a, a job where they, you know, special operations for the air force. They go mm-hmm. in and they save like downed pilots or any kind of medical, they're, they're paramedics and like special operators are awesome. Yeah, yeah they're badasses. So, yep. Yeah. They're super bad. So I, I started work. I started uh, training up for that. And then, um, when I took the pass test, my uh, instructor, um, who ran the pass test was like, Hey man, you want to kill people? Or do you want to save people? And I was like, um, I, I was like, they don't want to kill people. I want to do like the Navy SEAL shit. And he's like, all right, put you as a combat controller. And I was like, all right, 
that's what I'm going to be doing. And I, I just kind of, I had no idea about air traffic control and, and all and how complex being a combat controller was when I, when I got the job. Um, I thought literally thought air traffic control was like guys out in the airfields with like the cones on the, like, you know, the, the marshalling <laughs> aircraft, like that's literally what I thought. Yeah. I didn't, I was like, I think we do something like that, but it's special operations. I had no idea. Maybe we like, shoot yeah, lasers. We'll I think gun too. Yeah. yeah. I think like call of duty, you know, you shoot a laser and then a bomb hits the thing. And like, that's all I knew. Like, and, um, so I, I got in there, got into training and I was up for a rude awakening of what, how academically challenging and, um, you know, the grind of that, of the, of the career fair was awesome. I mean, I love the, yeah. the physical portions, the tactical portion. I love doing, I, I eventually came to love doing the air traffic control, but it was a challenge for me at first, for sure. We've been fortunate, man. We've had a couple of cool conversations with guys connected to that community. Obviously, Eric, you, and then we also had Thad Forrester. His brother, Mark, was killed in combat. combat yeah, I met the family. I met yeah. the family, dude. Oh, yeah. Incredible, yeah. man. Yeah. I went to his, uh, I, did a, I did a run there in um, Alabama, I believe yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah. I did a run oh, nice. for, the, yeah, for the, the family. Yeah, yeah good, good family, dude. man. His brother, Thad's a hell of a dude. Um, yeah. And really carrying his brother's legacy on. Uh, yeah, unbelievable guy. Hey, so tell me, uh, you get into Afghanistan 2017, 2018, right? So first time in theater, downrange. What's that experience like, man, when you step foot uh, onto that other place? Um, it was, it's it's surreal, I would say. You know what I mean? Like, you kind of, like, hit everything you had leading up to that. It's like imagining what thing, what Afghanistan is going to be like. And then you get there. It kind of reminds me of, like, fights and stuff. Lights here, it was, like, visualize and picture what you're going to get yourself into. And then you get there. And and I would say Afghanistan was, like, more, like is more than what I expected. You know what I mean? Mm. I think we got there to where an uh, interesting time where uh, Trump took over, um, over from, um, but so the ROEs kind of changed for us and our, our plans is attack. We were more aggressive. So the eight guy, the guys that are there for the eight years before us, they weren't going out and pushing missions as much as we were when Trump took over initially before it pulled out, we were pushing missions a lot. So it gave me a kind of cool experience of going to doing a lot of things that guys before me weren't even doing. I just got there at a, a, a unique opportunity and, and uh, got to do some cool stuff. So it was, it was uh, interesting, you know what I mean? It was uh, mind like opening to see like other, how other people live in other spots in the world. And, you know, it was interesting. It was good. Yeah. All right. So uh, Eric talked a little bit about it, but now I always love to dig into it a little bit because I think it's cool for our audience to get a sense as to what it's like. So tell me what like life on the ground, right? Like what are you doing? What are missions like for you? What's a, what's a, what's a combat control in the Air Force Special Ops up to? So I had two different mission sets. All right. Um, the first, so this is my first deployment. So I really didn't have as much responsibility. Like, you know what I mean? Cause like, you, like you kind of, you kind of go there, you do a deployment mm-hmm. with, and you kind of shadow people and then you go back and do it again. However, for the first part, I did actually did end up doing a ton because I was doing air traffic control. So they would do, they'd send me out to like airfields out, um, like, you know, wherever they're pushing on doing missions, I would go and I'd support the mission by setting up airfields in that area and to support the direct, whatever they're doing. So like I, a refueling point for like a helicopter or a, if somebody gets shot on the mission, they land it and they'll bring it to an airfield where I'm at so they can get that guy out of there. So maybe they pick up the guy in the helicopter, they bring mm-hmm. it to an airfield. I land a big C-130 on the on the ground. They get, we load the guy up in the C-130 and we get him off you know, out of there to, um, you know, Germany or wherever they need to go yeah, to save, yeah, yeah. save stabilize, yeah. and save the guy. So that was, a, I did that a lot for the first time, uh, part of my thing. So they would send me out to like areas that are, you know, like fobs and I would, uh, 
you know, just have to hang out there for a while. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of downtime in between like you, that you for, let's say we do that. I was there for six months and I I'm due like 10, 15 missions, but they've all like that. Those missions take one or two days usually. So there's a lot of time in between those that you're just hanging out in the middle of nowhere (laughs) in Afghanistan. You know what I mean? Just so the mission go off. (laughs) So there was that, there's a lot of boredom, but there's a lot of cool stuff, you know? And then, I mean, and then I got, I was, I got the opportunity to get out with the special forces team, um, my second half deployment and actually do some like, you know, support the JTAC, the guys who calls in the airstrikes on the, on the ground, um, you know, getting into engagements with the enemy yeah. and like, you know what I mean? And that making was, good that on was, what that uh, recruiter promised you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that was cool. I mean, I wasn't, so I, where I was, I was supporting my JTAC. So I was just yeah. kind of helping out learning, dude, but I mean, I was still in the fight. So that yeah, was, dude. that's what was cool. So I, I was, uh, you know, it was, it was eye opening for sure. And, you know, it was, you know, as part of something, you, something that made me better and stronger for today. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I learned a lot and I had to deal with some stuff. So it was good. It was good stuff. Yeah, man. We don't take it for granted what you guys uh, go through. And we always say, man, just thanks for everything you've done. And quite frankly, what you continue to do. My pleasure. (laughs) Right now through the fight game, you're continuing to to bring light to it. Right. Uh, The controller MMA. Uh, Before we before we kind of move off of that, did you have a favorite aircraft that you when you saw it coming in? You were like, uh, oh, yeah, oh, I mean, this so is every, it. <laughs> I would say in Afghanistan, if, if you're a controller uh, for me and I can catch control is a, is a AC one thirty gunship. Mm. So they have three, they have a one Oh five Howitzer on the five yep. outside of 45 and, and should not say a 75. So I should know that, but it's been a while, but, um, you have one of those things flying around the battle space. So like, if you have one of those in your airspace, it's, I mean, you you can do whatever. So that's yeah. the best one. Obviously Apache's are uh, very cool because you you know they come down support the, the on the missions and i mean i didn't get so when i was in afghanistan they didn't have a 10 warhawks they were just coming into theater uh, when i was leaving so but i've heard those are the ones that guys like the most you can hear them coming but, yeah you yeah can you can hear, hear that voice sure. coming so you know spanky yeah. peterson who uh flew the payhawk that picked up marco Sutrell was on our show man almost mm-hmm. a year ago awesome guy and he talked about that gunship and the confidence right just the confidence it brings knowing that thing is up there Yes. Just getting your back like it's, it's got multiple sensors on it so there's there's a team of guys that can watch the ground around you so it's just having people being able to watch it stays there so other aircraft will have to check on like an f-16 or something they'll have to check on calling it hit hit their bombs and they're gone and they got to go back to refuel and get their get their bombs this thing will hover above you you know the entire mission so you're you know it's 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 the it's the best aircraft there the only problem is we don't have that you know there's not yeah. everybody's getting them getting yeah. them on every mission so yeah. But they're they're awesome if you can get those on. That's incredible, man. So throughout this entire experience, right, as you're uh, in combat zones, as you're in the military, you're still training, right? Still training up the fight, still staying active. And somewhere in your brain, it's got to be like th- that. I know that's the real purpose for me. Walk for sure. Like, Is that what happened? Yeah. So like I, I always, like I said, like even when I was in the military, I wasn't training as much as I did prior to the military because my job was so intensive. So I had to learn to be a special operator, which took all my full brain of energy just to do that job. But when I could, it was just like a fun thing for me to do. Always like hop on the weekends. I would train with the other guys that, um, other combat controllers, one of my good friends, George Hernandez, he actually ended up passing away, but, uh, he was a really good wrestler. So me and him would hop in the wrestling rooms and like, I would teach him jujitsu. He would mm. teach me wrestling stuff. And it was just, you know what I mean? It was just more of a, for me, it was just a fun thing to do on the weekend that wasn't drinking and partying. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just another hobby. And, and I, I, that's how martial arts was my entire life. But when, um, when, so when I get to, I went to Afghanistan, I definitely started hit. I actually got lucky. There was uh, next to where I was at, there was uh, an MMA group on the base. 
So I would nice. like, we were working, I'd pop over for lunch and I'd do yeah. a little bit of jiu-jitsu yeah. or do some kick, kickboxing, which is, it was amazing in Afghanistan because you have, you have a lot of time. So like, like if I had time, I was not like working, I'd pop in there and I, I started doing that right before I left. So when I came home from Afghanistan, um, I was kind of having some mental, like, you know, I don't know what it was just adjust adjusting back from sure. that environment to, um, normal society. And so I kind of flowed right back into June martial arts. And then that's when it really clicked to me. I had a coach, this kid, Micah, Mikey B, who was a, he's actually pretty like a big names coach. Now, when I started with him, he didn't really have this. Now he has like tons of followers on social media and all this stuff. And, and before I was, when I started working, it was just me and him. And he actually, uh, he ended up moving into my house and, uh, you know, to be, cause I needed a roommate when yeah. I, and, uh, so we'd work together every single day training when I, even while I was going to college and I was going, I was still working in the military and he just, dude, he, he made me so good. And so it helped me deal with all my issues when I was coming back. And that's when I, I started believing in myself, like, Hey, maybe I can actually do this. You know what I mean? I've always had that passion. I, I see my friends fighting guys that train, grew up with training and they're doing the, making it to the UFC and doing really well. So when I saw them do it, I'm like, I think I can, I think I have a shot of doing this. And that's what really ignite me to get to go and do what I'm doing right now. Yeah. When'd you get hooked up with Joey Lozon? Was that, uh, before that first pro fight, which is August, 2019 before that, after that, what's the timeline prior. So I, I go up, so I go up at a gym called Lakeville MMA around here. And, um, at nights, me and my sensei, the guy I was talking about, we would go to, after we finished his class, we'd shoot up the Lozons. And I was a kid, you know, going through high school and we'd hit class at his class, at, um, after our class. And that's when I started training with him. And so I, I, I would train there a little bit, um, growing up, but when I came back, I just knew like, I mean, that was the best gym in New England. Yeah. And I was like, that's where I got to train. So I just kind of moved in and started training and, and, you know, got, dude, got really, bad, he was a bad dude. He is, yeah. He's fighting again in uh nice. against Donald Cerrone pretty soon. I think it's May seventh or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, he's really good. Yeah, he is, and he was young when he first got going. So I mean, I think he he probably had to work through some stuff. But I just remember some of those early fights. Like, man, that dude's he's he's tough. He's a tough kid. He's yeah. tough, really, really, really tough yeah. guy. Him and his brother, he has another brother, um, Danny, and they're both just absolutely just animals. So yeah, that um, Northeast is sometimes a different kind of breed, man. I don't know what it is. I think it's the cold. Right. You see the Russians are like that. They're really tough. <laughs> I think it's the cold. They're just eating ice and <laughs> like whatever. We have Calvin Cater, Rob yeah. Font. Calvin Cater's had a huge war in the UFC. Um, Chris Montino, I don't know if he, he fought in the UFC recently. He uh, mm -hmm. went against, against Sean O'Malley just didn't stop. He's like a zombie. I'm, ra I'm racking my brain. So I worked in TV from 2003 when I graduated from college all the way to like 2010. And we were in Decatur, Illinois. And there was a guy, it was, I think it was Justin Reinhardt. I'd have to go back and look at it. He I know that got a name crack for at sure. the UFC. He got the crack of like a big fight on a pay-per-view. Yep. It was against Lozon. It was against Lozon. Yeah. I, I, think, I, think, Joey beat him. I think Joey beat him. Yeah. Fast. Yeah. I think, I think he did. Yeah. Like it was. Yeah, for sure. I remember that. All right. So man, August, 24th, 2019, first professional bout. And this one took forever for you to take this. <laughs> Dude, that right jab. Tell me about that. Fight. <laughs> so, yeah, um, so I was pretty amped up my first time to kind of like thinking all this time, like I'm going to move home and fight and like the, the build up to that. You know what I mean? Like I haven't seen my friends and family a lot ever since I was left from the military. So when I come home and I'm going to fight in front of all my friends and family, it's been like six years since I've been home and I had my first professional MMA fight. So it was I had a lot of adrenaline and nerves going into that fight, yeah, but it was I bet. good. I bet. And a uh, kid walked in and I just hit him and 
I stepped back, and him, and that was it. He's gone. He's done seven seconds. So yeah, I had a yeah. couple, I had a couple of those. Yeah, in the amateur as well, a couple of uh, good fast fights. Yeah, guys, go Google that one. It's Connor Matthews, Stacy Anderson, seven seconds, right hand. Yeah, it won't take you much time to watch it. <laughs> I watched it three or four times. <laughs> I loved it. That was great. Dude, to, to, to go in that first time, you know, when it's real, right? Like, this is it, man. I'm a pro now. We're doing this. I'm right here at home. Everybody's keyed in. I mean, you said you're amped up, but to get that W, what an incredible moment, man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It felt, it felt amazing. You know what I mean? It felt really good, especially to start the professionals. And now, like, amateurs, it's kind of like it, it, whatever happens, happens. No big deal. It's amateurs or sure. professionals when things really start counting. You know what I mean? If you want to make this a career, I mean, I need, I need to win. So yeah. I remember that. And just That's gives big. me motivation. Every time I win, it gives me motivation to push even harder because I love the feeling. You know what I mean? I love yeah. the the grind to keep it and keep my, I want to keep my record clean. Absolutely. So, so well, the great news is, like now I'm up and coming fighter. I'm going to get on the scene here, August, 2019, get that first W COVID <laughs> COVID boom. Yeah. February, yeah. March, 2020, boom, shut it down. What? Very frustrating, man. So like, you know, I was, every, everything was rolling. Everything was going really good. And then, um, yeah, that the COVID hit and I had a fight scheduled. So that I had, there was like, I was thinking it was like two weeks out for my fight. So I was like basically in fight camp, ready to go. If COVID, I remember it was actually St. Patrick's day is when I yeah. got the news that like the yeah. fight was going to be. So it was, it was, so, you know, and that was it. That's two years ago now. Is that two years ago? Yeah, man. Wow. Man, two, <laughs> two years ago, like right now. I was like, that wasn't last year. That's two years. So that I remember the day it was two years ago. So, yeah. uh, so like that fight didn't happen. Um, and then there's no shows going on. So you just get kind of, we got to get locked in our house. And I, I, I made a garage, a gym in my garage, got, I ordered something, get the stimulus check and I bought mats with it and, uh, hung, hung a bag in the garage. And that's what I did. Like, I just, I did everything I could do to make myself better by myself in the, in my, in my garage, in my gym. Um, I had a couple of my buddy, once we started getting a little, I had a couple of my buddies to come train. We couldn't go to the gym. So we would yeah. just train at the garage. So we ended up moving halfway through the pandemic. My family did. So we, we moved. Um, so they're building a house. And in the meantime, my uh, family has a farm, like my, one of my mom's best friend, they own this farm, Chamberlain farms. And uh, they, they do weddings. So since they couldn't do weddings at all, they, they, they let us stay in like the guest house where they have the weddings and everything while our house is being built. And which was awesome because um, no one had any place to go. So Joe Lozon actually lent me his mats. And we would just train on, so yeah, like the really nice Massimo's on MMA bring to the wedding venue. Yeah. yeah. So everybody from New England was just coming to this farm. All those pro fighters from all around were just like, <laughs> they heard about it. You know what I mean? It was like undercover, like yeah. mass post. I remember like, that was the big thing. We couldn't post sure. it on social media because like, Joe would get mad. Like, Hey, don't, don't post this. Yeah. Cause you're, you know, be, be, be. so everybody, that's what we did. We ended up doing like an outdoor mats. Like uh, we had a big uh, wedding venue tent with mats right. in it. And everybody would come down and train at it. And that was like what we did during the pandemic undercover. So it was, it was pretty cool. Um, I, I ended up getting one, one fight during uh, the pandemic um, in a tent as well. Mm -hmm. There wasn't any, um, no crowd or anything like that. So that was my first time fighting, which I really enjoyed because you always train with no crowd. So get a fight with no crowd was kind of yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It was but wasn't it I mean, it's crazy though, right? I mean, I guess you're right. It's similar to a training session, but you feed off of the crowd when it's actually go you do. make it real, but. Uh, um, yeah, the adrenaline I got from my last, like I just I've sensed in my last fight, and uh, it's just like the adrenaline you get from a fight, like a, the yeah. crowd and all that music and the, everything is just so much different than when you get it and just 
going in there to fight somebody in a cage. Not, yeah, it's, it's definitely, I can't sleep after my fights usually just because I have so much. No, adrenaline up, yeah. 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 So, so it's been a while, it's been a wild ride, man. I mean, if you think about everywhere that uh, yeah. the world's taking you from 2011 now to 2022 and then to, to launch, you know, your pro career and then to have to do the bulk of it, you know, through what these last two years have been like, but throughout that course, it's a five and a record. The most recent March yep. the fourth against Josh Hardy. So let's fast forward, man. Let's talk about the last one. What was the last fight like? Um, so the last one was so big problem. still. so since the pandemic, now I have this problem of, of uh, I schedule opponents and then for whatever reason, they're not showing up or they're not yeah. or whatever. Like we had a guy literally just like pull out four days out from his last fight, right? Four days away from my fight. I was supposed to fight this guy from American top team, great camp from Florida. And, um, he pulls out. So they found me a replacement. I fought this kid, Josh Hardy, short notice whatever beat them. You know, so it's, it's, it's kind of like a thing where I'm trying to schedule these guys that are better. Cause as I progress yeah, and get a better yeah. record, I want to fight better challenging opponents. I mean, I know what I can do in the gym. Um, I'm confident in my abilities outside the, you know, for fighting, but like, I, I want to beat the guy so I can, the UFC and the next level can see like, okay, this guy's legit, yeah, legit yeah. contender to get us to the UFC. So, um, yeah, I've been having problems with that. So I've been, you know, fighting guys, guys, like just Josh Hardy. He was good. You know, he's one and two hit. So he wasn't, you know, he has, he had a lot of fights in amateur, but well, you got to take what you can get. I mean, the way it's been yeah. the last year, you got to almost take what you can get right now to keep yourself. Exactly. And I'm, and I, you know, I spent six years in the military, not six years fighting. So it's, yeah. you know, I'm playing a little catch up the way it is, but I think we're going to be all right. I got a new manager. I got a new manager. Um, this year, this guy, I signed with this guy, Tyson actually was supposed to announce that today. Um, he's, he's the manager for Rob, uh, Rob Font, Calvin Cater, a lot of the other new England fighters around here. He got coach of the year last year for the UFC. So he's a local Massachusetts nice. guy. And, and, um, so I'm excited to be working with, working with those guys and him. And, and I feel like he's going to get me in the right direction because I just need to, I need to get there now. Yeah. So you mean you're, you're, you're always staying, you're always staying ready. It sounds right, like, yeah. right. As you're, as you're coming through this, right. With handful of fights under your belt, knowing where the ultimate destination point where you want to be. Right getting to the UFC is the ultimate endpoint. Yeah. It seems like in that position, uh, you got to stay ready. You got to stay ready. Cause you don't yeah. know when the chance to jump on a card is going to happen. Right. Exactly. So that means, and when staying ready is like, is, is mostly comes down to it for fighters is diet. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not letting yourself just completely like, I'm, I, my, it's like my job. I'm going to go and I'm going to go to the gym every day. I'm going to train. I'm going to do my workouts. I have a schedule built in that I, built, I follow all the time. Obviously when I get closer to fights, I mostly ramp up, ramp up my intensity in the training and maybe extending the sessions mm -hmm. a little bit longer, mm -hmm. but I'm at the gym anyways, any, every day. So that's what I got to do. So for, I'm, I'm saying there, I just can't let myself just like, you know, get too big. So I yeah. can't make my what way. So that's at? the biggest thing. Connor, I fight at 145. At? So who, who, who up in uh, the show, quote unquote, fights at that, uh, at that, so um, give, like, give us some names. So folks can be like, man, okay, this is where he's trying yeah, to get. So Max, get Max Holloway, mm -hmm. Brian Ortega, um, Yaya Rodriguez, um, Volkanovsky, uh, Calvin Cater, uh, uh, Korean Zombie. So it's a stack. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a very stacked division. Honestly, it's probably, I think one of the best Conor McGregor came up in the one forty five division. Yep. So, um, I don't think he's going back down there, but you know, they're, 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 he's, he's a big boy yeah. right now. He's got a little bit bigger, he's got a little bit bigger, bigger last couple <laughs> but, years. Uh, yeah. It's a very, it's, you know, it's the most common size human being. And it's one mean? of my favorite, it's one of my favorite weight classes to watch. Cause I just love I mean, the big guys are great and everything, but the way you guys are able to move and you bring so many different elements to it. I, I love it. it. 
yeah, it's that combination of like real power and, and speed. So it's, a, it's very explosive and fast, you know, dance. It's a dangerous weight class. And they're, they're the same guys that if you were watching like a traditional wrestling bout, you're like, man, those guys do just get after it. Yeah, exactly. You gotta, be, I, you, gotta you gotta be hard, man. Yeah, you gotta be. I mean, luckily I, I feel like uh the like my mentality I've I've got from my special operations training, I think honestly, I mean it's the only thing I can see that changed between before and after my uh my military career is it's just helped me so much, you know. It trains to be more professional about everything. Yeah. Really, you know what I mean? Treat everything professionally as like on my day to day. Um, that's what it taught me the most. So yeah, I, I think I, I think I've got what it takes to get to the next level and fight those top ten level guys. I mean, I train with them sometimes, so so I get in there and work with those guys, and I know I, I know I can hang. It's just a matter of getting the fights and and you know hitting and, and performing on the light and under the lights and actually doing it. So I got to prove it to myself and I got to prove it to everybody else. But I believe I'm going to be able to do it. He's Connor, the controller Matthews. Tell everybody where they can find you, man. Instagram, uh, so folks can follow you and give you some support. Yeah. Uh, Instagram would be great. I love it. Need the follows. That helps me with my, uh, progression to get myself to the yeah. UFC. Yeah. Um, so the controller MMA, uh, right. So I got it right there. As you guys see it there, the controller MMA nice. is, um, that's my Instagram. I use that the most. I do have Facebook, Connor Matthews. Don't use it as much Twitter con- controller MMA without the V and, um, yeah, those are my three social medias that I mostly use. I mean, I use Instagram the most and yeah, Love a follow. I'm coming. I got a website launching uh, this week. So um, I'm going to put up all stuff on there and, you know, um, have, I'm going to start selling some shirts and stuff and get, nice. get that stuff going. It's hard. Nice. It's hard to do the brand when you're fighting and training so much. There's a, there's a lot of stuff that goes into this that are like, you know, to be a professional about this, you got to have yeah. your brand. You got to ha- sell shirts. You got to, I mean, yeah. to support myself. I don't make a lot of money fighting on these lower level, low, level teams right now. And I spend a lot of money on camp. So, um, you know, once I get my stuff, everything helps, you know, to be able to sponsor and get myself going to the UFC. Yeah. Guys, keep your eyes on them. You know, you got fans for life, uh, in our community here, uh, that you. nickname, right. Is, it, it had to do it, right. <laughs> yeah, I, had to. I had to, I, had to. <laughs> I love it. He is, uh, the controller, Connor Matthews, five and oh, in professional fights, making his way through that game. And, and guys, the guy's just grinding, man. He just keeps getting after it every day. And you heard him talk most importantly, right? Keep training, keep that diet in check. So that way you're just nimble. You're ready to react. And if they ever call, right, whenever they call, we know that time's coming for you. Um, you'd be ready to roll, man. We're just so thrilled for you. One, just great to hear your story, man. Uh, honored to be able to do it and, uh, and excited to see what, what, what's coming up here. And we keep an eye on you for sure. Appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. He's Connor, the controller, Matthews, uh, badass uh, from Air Force Special Operations and now getting work done in the ring. Thanks again, brother. Thank you so much. He's Connor Matthews. I'm Brian Jodis. This has been Pick Up the Six Podcast.